0: God does have a sense of humor. I'll show you some pictures of my shirt off when we're done with the show.
1: Oh, not that again. Oh, <laughs> not <boy>. that again. <laughs> let's keep the show going. Yeah, right?
2: <laughs> Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney.
1: AKA Larry the Cable Guy.
0: Excuse me, where's the restroom?
1: They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's
2: look at God's Word followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. So, are we here by chance or on purpose for a purpose? Why do so many people feel such a sense of hopelessness and despair these days? It may go back to what we believe to be true about our origin. In this episode, we are looking at Genesis 1, verses 24-31. through 31. In episode 1, we learn that in the beginning, God created. In the verses that follow, the writer describes what was created on each of the first five days of creation. But when we get to day 6, the conversation changes and we are introduced to the concept of the image of God. Genesis one twenty six says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Whether one believes in six literal days of creation, or more of a process over time, to be biblically correct, you must believe that man is more than just a sophisticated animal. We are stamped with the very image of God. This is what sets us apart and distinguishes us from the animal kingdom. In Psalm 19, David refers to being created in the image of God as being crowned with glory and majesty. So think about it this way. Common sense would tell you that there is a significant gap between the most sophisticated animals and humans. There is not a gradual transition from the animals to humans but rather it's a quantum leap. Contrary to what some might want us to believe, the truth is humans are significantly different from the rest of creation. So why is that? Genesis 1 would say it's because we are made in the image of God. So what exactly does that mean? Of course, it doesn't mean that we look like God. What it does mean is we have been given both the ability and the responsibility to represent or image God to the world. It has to do with being made with the capacity to have a relationship with God, with one another, and to care for what God has made, to rule the garden. The fact that God uses plural pronouns, let us make man in our image, is a helpful clue. God is a relational God. When Genesis 1 states, In the beginning, God created. The Hebrew term God is Elohim, which is the plural name for God. Somehow this one God is plural. We learn in the Bible that God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is certainly a mystery to how this works with God, but it's helpful to know that even though God existed by himself before he created, he was not alone. He lived in relationship with himself, because God is a relational God. So when God says, let us make man in our image, he is saying with the capacity to be relational, as he is relational. In other words, we were created to experience relationship with God, to know him, and to be known by him. The image also includes what we call a volitional will, or a will to choose. To truly be in relationship with God, we have a choice. We can exercise our will to choose Him or reject Him. We can choose good or evil. We've been given an ability to reason and choose. Animals operate according to instincts. Humans are able to reason. With this, then, comes moral responsibility. We are responsible for our choices. Nowhere does the Bible teach that animals are morally responsible for the choices they make, but soon we will see that humans have a choice and are held morally accountable for those choices. These are the main ingredients that make up the image of God in us. We find a summary of what God has said in Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Three things are underscored in that verse. God created us. We were created in his image. We were created in his image, male and female. Our sexuality reflects, even celebrates, what it means to be made in God's image. God's first command to people made in his image was be fruitful and multiply. Just in case that wasn't clear, The first command God ever gave people made in his image was to have sex and fill the earth. For those who think God is against sex or embarrassed by it, all you need to do is read page one of the Bible. It was his idea. God created sexual passion. Animals procreate. Humans celebrate the image of God in sexual intimacy. We'll talk more about that in Genesis 2. Being made in the image and called to rule over creation also gets into the arts. The second attribute we learn about God is that He is creative. In the beginning, God created. All of the arts are simply trying to imitate the wonder and the beauty of God's creation. So music, painting, sculpting, pottery, poetry, dance— It's all a celebration of what it means to be made in the image of God. It's part of what sets humans apart from the rest of creation. Even laughter. Take a good look at what God has made and you see the wonder of God's sense of humor. Creation is delightful, it's beautiful, and it's funny. Our laughter, joy, and celebration reflects the image of God in us. Maybe the biggest takeaway from this text today is the truth that we were literally created for relationship with God. Until that longing is satisfied, we are going to struggle trying to fill that need with everything else this world has to offer. With this in mind, let's invite Dan and Nat to join us and let's talk about their own search for what ultimately satisfies. So as a pastor, one of the things I see all the time is evidence that people are searching for something that will satisfy. Uh, And I'm kind of curious what that looks like for the two of you in your own personal lives, your own journey uh, that caused you to find Jesus.
0: Well, certainly in the the entertainment business, how many times do you see people— constantly searching for something to make them happy. Mm -hmm. They have audiences, they're selling tickets, they have money, they have five houses, but they're not happy Mm. at all. I mean, I noticed that when I was out on the road. Just people, I mean, they commit suicide because they can't find happiness. And I was always taken back by that because I'm thinking to myself, you know, You're trying all these things to make you happy. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that will make you happy, you reject. And you don't even try it. You don't even investigate it. You go to all these other things that you think is going to satisfy that hole in your heart. And it never does. And, of course, me coming back into the fold... I always knew what made you happy inside, but as always, you get caught up in stuff, and you think these things are fun. They're fun for a while, but I think a lot of people that get involved in all of these activities, at some point, the check comes due, and when the check comes due, that's not a fun moment. (laughs) There's a lot of hurting people. And a lot of fake happiness. So lately people come to you and they say, let me ask you something. All this stuff going on in the world, you uh, and it doesn't bother you. You're always happy. You're always doing this. You're not searching like most people. What is it? And that's when you can say, I believe in Jesus. I have hope in my heart. And that gives me eternal happiness. That frees me. Unlike anything else in the world, that frees me. A new house doesn't free me. It's fun for a while, but then it wears off. You know, money. I got my bills taken care of, but it doesn't free me. Jesus Christ frees you. He freed me. He frees you. And that's talking about this verse. We were made to love God. We were made with that little space in our heart to find Him. These verses in Genesis are so true. We were created in God's image, and uh, and and we were created to to find Him to to lo- to know that He loves us, hmm. because nothing else is fulfilling that. Hmm. And then, of course, I look in the mirror. He created this wonderful body, <laughs> and you, the older you look, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh. I'm sure when I when I pass away and go to heaven, God's gonna look at me and go, What did you do?
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, what have you done? <laughs> oh, God does have a sense of humor. I'll show you some pictures of me my shirt off when we're done with the show.
1: Oh, not that again. Oh, not boy. that again. <laughs> Let's keep the show going. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to end it on a bad note. Yeah, I think it's fascinating your question. Um because you know, I think about why do people uh, other than our our sin nature, and that's enough to uh, move us away from God. But you know, you asked about you know our stories, and I think about my my upbringing. Um, you know, I was raised by a single mom, um, raised in a Christian school, a uh, dysfunctional but a Christian home. Went to church um, at a very young age. I remember hearing the gospel presented very clearly, responded um, positively towards it, and. You know, I look at my childhood through my high school years and I go, Man, I had everything truthful delivered to me. The love of God, His Word, I mean school, church, um, at home. And that that shaped me. But like so many twenty somethings, it hits and I just went off. Like I went off living for myself. As you said trying to fill this this hole in my life. But I had no reason to, right? I mean, I had no reason to. I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus Christ was. Uh, Made a decision to follow him when I was a child. Um, I wasn't running from anything as far as I knew. Um, There wasn't this thing I was trying to intentionally fill, but yet I made the conscious decision to be rebellious for a time. And God graciously... Around 24 years old, allow me to get just caught in my sin, and God brought me back home to a place where He broke me, and He molded me in that time, and He has continued to do so since. So it's fascinating how you can have people who have got all the right upbringing and rebel. I mean, you come from a background with you know a a pastor as a father, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So and and then so there's no reason for us to go off on the deep end, but but we do. And then you have people who are brought up in horrendous circumstances like a josh mcdowell experienced so much abuse and pain and suffering and yet the man uh and tried to disprove christ and instead he finds out everything that the bible said is true and and the trajectory was right. so different it's fascinating to see why we stray from what we, from what we know is true but when you think about it isn't that the common story in scripture brian time after time god calls his people they, they come, they, they follow him for a time, they rebel, they go off, they cry out, he restores. It's just this process over and over and over again.
2: Right. We're determined to be our own gods. Right. And right. that gets us into all kinds of trouble. But I think going back to what Dan said, that's what I'd really invite our listeners to give serious thought to is whatever you're trying, can you at least be honest with yourself? And say, you still feel like there's something missing. There's a longing deep in people's souls for something more. And if they just be honest, Hmm. there is one who will satisfy. But just like you said, people are so determined not to turn to God. They have such a crazy idea of what that means. And so they're miserable and they jump from thing to thing to thing Hmm. and, and they're unwilling to be honest that deep down they're miserable, and would they at least consider that Mm -hmm. what they're looking for is a relationship with God?
0: I think the problem that some people might have when it comes to Christianity, and my wife's a great example. My wife writes awesome Christian devotionals now, but my wife always said the one thing that kept her from becoming a Christian was Christians. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and she was like i don't want to be like one of them they're they're like big hypocrites and they and yeah there are a lot of people that call themselves christians that don't act like christians mm-hmm. so are they even really christians but the fact that people call themselves christians and act the way they do does not change the fact that jesus christ was who he said he was and the bible is absolutely true just because the students are uh, becoming a bunch of dirt bags and liars <laughs> doesn't mean the teacher is mm. and and get beyond that and and get into the scripture and read about Jesus and who he was and who he is it's about and drop the religion it's about a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. And when you get into that and you start feasting on the the meat of that bone, uh, you're gonna you're gonna find the true hope.
1: Hmm. We need to keep pointing people back to Jesus. absolutely even if the people screw up. It's what I constantly re- remind people, first Corinthians 15, you know Paul said if Christ had if Christ had not been raised from the dead, Your faith is worthless. That's the focal point of everything. That's the starting point. At the end of the day, if Christ has been raised from the dead, then Christianity is true. And that's why we point people back to Christ and try to get their eyes off of us.
0: By the way, (laughs) do you ever notice that uh, you can always tell the people that uh, go to church all the time and the people that only go to church on Easter Mm -hmm. and Christmas, they're the ones that are dressed up. <laughs>
1: no that's
0: their point, one big show. Yeah. That's their one big show. They right. get dressed up. You can tell the people that go all the time. They're right. like, you know what? Yeah. I'm wearing loafers and this pair of camo shorts. I'm not getting that's dressed exactly up. Exactly right. Sick and tired of dressing <laughs> up on
2: Sundays. to get some camo shorts.
1: I would love to see that. I don't think would I've you. ever seen you in shorts, Brian. No,
2: well, I think one of the reasons people push God away is they have crazy mixed up ideas about who God is. So I wonder how many of our listeners would be surprised to know that the first command that God gives in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply, have sex. It's like this idea that that God is so other than who he truly is. He wants us to experience pleasure. Mm. He wants us to know him. He wants us to experience the life we long for. Hmm. Uh, and so I'm just – it would be interesting to take a poll. How many listeners know that's in the first chapter of the Bible?
0: Well, it is in there. And I, I'll be honest. I think I misinterpreted that verse in the 90s. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, think,
0: I think I might have you, th- it.
1: you thought that was a divine command for you, right? <laughs> but I think people would be absolutely shocked. People would be absolutely shocked. I remember I preached in a church, small little church um, in rural Nebraska, and I actually brought that this point up, first command is to go have a lot of sex. Uh, I was quickly, you know, booted out the church. They, They had not heard that, and it was a terribly offensive thought to them because that's not what they ever understood. They didn't understand how important sex, sexuality even gender identity is to God. It is all designed by Him and meant for our enjoyment. That's right. How cool is that? And if you're going to
0: teach, and everybody's going to teach the Bible, teach the whole Bible. Right. Teach, teach everything that God is telling us. Right. You know, it's not a. a it, it's made to be a dirty thing because of the flesh and because of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. God created it as a beautiful thing. Right. And that's and so it does need to be talked about. That's why we got the whole Song of Solomon, right? You know,
1: and uh, he was a dirty bird. <laughs> Some of that stuff he said, I don't know about that, but there, there's something you said, Brian, a long time ago, and I don't know who you stole it from, but I know I stole it from you. But you talked about uh, a train, trains on a track, right? God gives us these boundaries, and when we follow that design, it is life to the fullest. It leads wherever God, you know, intends it to lead. And there's great freedom there. But once we get off the rails, it it was sex and sexuality, gender. Look at how much destruction, confusion and pain is around us. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, that's why uh, that's another thing about uh, Jesus is the truth and the Bible is the truth. And when we look back on last week, those five first words of the Bible when you believe that, here's the cool thing about your life. The goalposts never change. Mm. They never change. They stay the same. Mm. You know what everything is. The goalposts will always be the same. Mm. When you're living in the flesh and you're living in a world that doesn't believe in a God and we just showed up here, the goalposts change every year. Mm. And this is this and then they're making this up. and they're, Oh, well, we'll go ahead and do this now. You you don't you you have a constant change of morality. Hmm. The Bible you don't have you don't have that change. The goalposts always stay the same and you know what parameters to be in. Hmm. And they're absolutely fantastic. Yep. Thanks for listening to Talking Truth.
2: Ryan and Dan will be back soon with more episodes, so be sure to subscribe. Today's talking truth is powered by Go Tandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download Go Tandem today and get spiritually fit. Get it done.